glad you're here tonight watching live stream this evening. Uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to begin reading in verse 14. I want to go along with our theme from this morning. We were talking about prayer. Um, prayer, uh, fire releasing prayer this morning. Uh, tonight we want to continue with that thought of prayer because we're going in, we are in the 40 days of fasting and prayer for the elections coming up and also we're going to begin a 40-day fast for the anniversary of our church. And so I thought it would be great for us to look at some passages dealing with prayer and uh, fasting. <clears throat> be sure to, uh, as you're opening your Bibles there, be sure to go ahead and uh, sign up for our couples retreat. The sign-up sheet is out in the foyer. Uh, everything will be done here at the church. We're having some special things. It's instruction. We've got continental breakfasts uh, on Friday and Saturday. We have a, a catered dinner on Friday night. And so get yourself signed up for that. It'll be a great time of fellowship, a great time of instruction out of the Word of God. And so uh, we want you to not to, uh, miss out on that opportunity. If you're watching live stream, you can go on ocbcministries.org. And you can register online. And so we would appreciate if you do that quickly so that we uh, know how much uh, food and all that stuff we need to order. So prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 17 in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And that's probably, every time I read that, I think it's of myself, amen. But anyway, he is a lunatic and sore vexed. That kind of identifies me too. But anyway, for often, oft times, he falleth into the fire and oft time, often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to, unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight. Uh, once again, fellowship and sing praises to our God and Certainly, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to have the Bible in front of us, to open it up and read it, uh, pray over it, study it, Lord, apply it into our lives. And uh, we thank you for this great privilege of prayer and fasting. I pray that you would impress upon our hearts uh, in, uh, in a special way tonight, Lord, of uh, the severity or the need um, that we uh, have placed upon us to go to our God in prayer. And not just that, Lord, but that you might send our Holy Spirit to be our teacher to help us to know how to make some practical applications in the process of this praying. 
And so, God, I would ask you to hear our prayers tonight, answer our prayers absolutely in accordance with thy will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, verse 21 is our text verse. He says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting. Uh, we have set before us a situation uh, that must have the power of God released. And uh, there is absolutely no way any human being would be able to correct the circ circumstances that this father is dealing with in reference to the condition of his son. And as the problems in the world and as the struggles in the world seem to increase uh, greater and greater and get farther and farther away from God, it lays on us the responsibility to acknowledge that these things are out of human control and it's demonic in nature and we need God to do something about it because we cannot do it in and of ourselves. The problem is not in this passage. The problem is not that there are no trained Christian workers present. Because it says in verse 16, I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Mark chapter 9, the cross reference to this chapter, an event. Mark 9, 18, it says, I spake to thy disciples and they, that they should cast him out and they could not. And so I want to present to you tonight that the problem in dealing with this situation was not that there was no trained Christians there present to deal with the situation. And I just know this, I don't think we're facing a problem with a lack of mature, trained Christians to do the work of the ministry, to minister to people's hearts. I don't think the problem is a lack of workers or a lack of maturity, but what we're facing is the fact that there is a lacking of power to be able to deal with the demonic influence that has taken control of this boy. We are faced from time to time with problems that are beyond our control. And so you cannot, uh, you cannot plan it out. Uh, you can't manipulate it out. Uh, you cannot manage it out. Uh, you have to pray it out. And uh, that's the situation with this man. In those times when the things are out of our control, uh, we know that God does not come through uh, for us, that we're not going to make it. That's the problem. And uh, this man could not get his son healed because the disciples did not have the power of God resting upon them to enable them to release this boy from this bondage. And so uh, they had to turn to God and, and see what Christ would do uh, for them and for this lad that was possessed of this demon. Jesus said, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. To fast is simply to abstain from food or drink for religious observances. And when we talk about fasting, you, there's people that fast for health reasons. By fasting, it lets your body cleanse itself and all these types of things. What we're talking tonight uh, in reference to prayer and fasting, in reference to uh, God's moving in our life because it's so important to get the move and the power of God in our life that we're willing to give up things that we enjoy. And I enjoy eating, I can tell you that. 
And, uh, but if we're going to pray and fast, we're going to say, God, the, these things we cannot deal with, these things we cannot correct. And so, God, we're willing to show our resolve and our commitment and our understanding of the necessity of God moving on our behalf by putting aside things and going without. It may be food. It may be entertainment. It, it would be a challenge for most people to give up their cell phone for a day and uh, just talk to God and God alone. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's always amazing to me to think about how much uh, time uh, is spent on Facebook or on our cell phones texting or whatever it may be, whatever the media may be, and then how little time we spend in prayer with God. And so when we talk about fasting, it is sacrificing something that we enjoy so that we might be able to just have complete alone time with God where he has our 100% attention and uh, we can uh, present our needs before him. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, he told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem in Luke chapter 24. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The, he had trained them for three years to do the work of the ministry. He had prepared them for the ministering of the grace of God within the body of Christ, the church. And But before uh, he would have them do that, he told them, you need to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so they go to Jerusalem, and they're in the upper room uh, for 120 days. Uh, and Not 120 days. There was 120 people in the upper room. Amen. And get my numbers all mixed up here. And they were in the upper room. They were doing what Jesus had warned them and instructed them to do. They were tarrying to wait for the power because Jesus promised them, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it is for sure the disciples had experienced what it is to do ministry without the power of God. And uh, they, but yet they are waiting for the power of the Spirit of God to come upon them. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost comes down upon them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God is released in them for the purpose of doing the work of the ministry, the ministering to the body of Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's that vitally important for us to know that in order to have the power of God to minister to people in situations that are out of our control, then we must tarry before the Lord. We must wait upon God for power. And when God induces us with power, then we are able to minister in the realm of where human hands and intellect cannot minister. And I think most of the time ministry is run within the realm of the known rather than in the realm of the unknown. And uh, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this situation here where Jesus challenges them that, wait a minute, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. First of all, we see a father's plea in verse 15. Lord, have mercy on my son. That's his plea. 
He's crying out for him. Uh, that, that speaks to me in reference to the fact that if somebody's going to be healed and they're going to be delivered from the power of satanic uh, uh, influence and dominion over them, there has to be somebody that's interceding for them. The father, the father of this son is interceding for his son. He's pleading his case before Jesus Christ. Lord, have mercy on my son. And his plea is very clear is because he is humbled. And he's humbled because the situation is beyond his control. I don't think there's anything more frustrating for a parent than have a situation with their child where they can absolutely do nothing to help their child. And that's where this man is. He is completely uh, humbled by the fact that what his son needs, he cannot give him. What his son needs, he cannot accomplish. And so he goes and cries unto the Lord, I have mercy on me. And uh, he understands that he's humbled because it's beyond his control. But he also is humbled because he is in need of the mercy of God. And uh, folks, if there's one thing we need, it's the mercy of God. Uh, we need God to fight on our behalf. We need God to, to be our defender. We need God to do miraculous things in 2020. And Psalm 109 in verse 26 says, Help me, O Lord my God, Oh, save me according to thy mercy. And you can go through the scriptures over and over again and find verses that speak to the fact that the, the psalmist is crying out for God's mercy as this man is crying out for the mercy of God to help his son. And so a father's plea shows us the humbling of the circumstances in life because we cannot control them and we're desperately in need of, a, of the mercy of God. I see not only a father's plea, but I see a son's plight. Notice it says here in verse 15, for he is a lunatic. That's a spiritual problem, spirituality. The son's plight was a spiritual problem, uh, he, for he is a lunatic. And, uh, he, and so uh, spiritually, uh, there is no sound reasoning in his mind. Uh, uh, spiritually speaking, the Bible is not presenting to us any desire in the Son to be with God or to know God. Uh, all we see that is the Father is pleading for mercy because of the fact that his Son is a lunatic, so spiritually he is out of control. The word lunatic here means moonstruck. Moonstruck. We used to have dogs every once in a while. We had some crazy dogs out on the farm. We never know who shows up. And we used to get packs of dogs come out there and all this, that, and the other. Uh, but I remember this one dog. All you'd do is howl at the moon all night long. And, uh, and so that's what it literally means here, lunatic. It means to be moonstruck. It means to be em embraced or manipulated by forces that you cannot control. And so, listen, I really believe there is more demonic influence and more demonic oppression and possession uh, in the world in which we live in 2020 than there has been in the past. And it is because of the fact that people are lunatics. 
They have absolutely no ability to reason through situations, to think through, or to be able to, uh, in a reasonable way, sit down and have a conversation about what is going on. They're just literally out of control. And I think of much of what is going on is a spiritual problem. And uh, it's an alarming thing. We don't like saying that. Because of the fact that we don't want to say, well, somebody's got some sickness or some disease, and so now we're saying they're demon-possessed. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think a lot of it is, and I think we need the power of God to be able to overcome those things and to be able to set people free. And so the plight of the son, it was a spiritual problem. He's a lunatic. Uh, Notice it was an emotional problem. It says, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, sore vexed. It's an emotional problem. Sore vexed deals with the emotional distress in the individual because of the spiritual problem. And, uh, you know, we have so many many times uh, people are just uh, so troubled emotionally. I see when kids come in our Christian school, sometimes I'm like, what in the world is wrong with this kid? And, I mean, it just... You know, I remember years ago, we had this one girl, she, all she did was cry. And I'm like, I, I brought her to my office. I said, and this was a high schooler. And I said, what is wrong with you? I don't want to be here. Why don't you want to be here? I don't want to be here. I mean, just crying and fooling around. I'm like, what in the world is your problem? There's no mercy with me. There isn't. You know, I just want an answer. That's all I want. But people get so emotionally distressed about things in life that they cannot control that they literally get out of control. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it takes the power of God to be able to get someone to where they can be emotionally stable again. And so this son had a spiritual problem. He had an emotional problem. Notice he had a physical problem. It says, uh, he's a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and often into the water. So he had a physical problem. Uh, because of the spiritual de- demon uh, possession that was in him, he emotionally could not control himself. And as a result of it, literally, his body was out of control, and he would throw himself into the fire and throw himself into the water. In the context of verse 15, it is dealing with the fact that the demon was the one who was causing him to do these things. And oftentimes what happens is demonic oppression causes emotional disturbance that then the person physically is completely out of control. And uh, I, I'm, I just, you know, I, I think the devil uses drugs to get control of people. I really do. Uh, I think the devil uses alcohol to get control of people. Uh, people have a spiritual problem because of the fact that they will not uh, uh, worship God or draw near to God, but they'll pursue those types of things. And then what happens? The, the drugs or the alcohol disrupts the emotional state of the person and then they're completely physically out of control. And uh, I know what it, I know what uh, is all about, and I know that the experiences that I had with alcohol, and I'm going to tell you one thing right now, the only answer for those situations is Jesus Christ. And you can't solve those problems 
with physical, social, emotional, uh, uh, hypothetical, humanistic approach to things? The answer is Jesus Christ. And this son had a plight upon him, and that was he was completely out of control. You think of the woman with the issue of blood over in Mark, and we'll look over in Mark chapter 5. Uh, this woman uh, had an issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. Well, no, let's think of this. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. We'll look at that first. The maniac of Gadara, going along with this, it says, And he came over, I'm sorry, and they came over the, unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Then in verse 3 it says, who had his dwelling among the tombs. It's interesting that demonic influence and possession causes you to move away from those that you love. Now you get somebody that's an alcoholic, somebody that's a drug addict, they pursue those things and that's all they're after. And they isolate themselves from people who love them and care for them. He had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not uh, with change. I mean, the supernatural uh, power and strength that someone has because of the demons that are in them. Because that he had been out of bound, uh, often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. See, it's completely out of control of any type of human influence or human control or correction. And it says, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when I say this cutting of our, our young people have gotten in, I don't hear too much about it anymore, uh, but this matter of cutting themselves is, is demonic. This tattooing of themselves is demonic. Uh, all these things are things that are being manipulated out of an emotional state that's corrupted because of the influence of demons in our society. Somebody's going to get mad at me for saying this, but that's all right. The interesting thing is in verse 6 of Mark 5, but when he saw Jesus afar off. You know what made a difference in this man's life? It was Jesus Christ. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. The interesting thing is what was the draw to Jesus? Uh, he never had met Jesus before. He had never interacted with Jesus before. But Jesus shows up and immediately there's conviction on his heart. An immediate response was he desired to be close to Jesus Christ. Amen. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. That's the demon inside of this man crying out. The man went over because there was a desire to be with Christ, but the demon is saying, wait a minute, don't cast me out. I have control. This is my host. This is where I live. And he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Realize this, when, when you get involved with demonic influences, it may be just for a minor thing to begin with, but it multiplies itself. 
And he besought him much that he would not send them away into the country. And you read through, we know he cast, Jesus cast the, the demons out of this man. And then uh, when you get down uh, in verse 15, it says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. It's interesting that apparently Jesus is by himself casting this demon out. Because it says after he cast them out that they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. Now the amazing thing is this, it is Jesus Christ who made a difference in a helpless situation this man was delivered. Uh, in Mark chapter 5 in verse 25 you read of the woman that had an issue of blood. A certain woman uh, had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather getting worse, grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, came to in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Uh, physical healings that take place because of coming into the presence of Jesus Christ. Spiritual healing because of coming into the presence of Christ. Emotional stability because of being in the presence of Christ. And so this man who has this son that has a plight upon him, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, has to bring him to Jesus Christ because he brought him to his disciples and the disciples could do nothing. Why? Because this kind goes out but by prayer and fasting. So we see uh, the plight of the son, we see the plea of the father, and then we see the disciples as powerless. In verse 16 it says, And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. In verse 19 it says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? The interesting thing is this, is the disciples had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. They had witnessed that they had nothing but a lad's lunch, and Jesus blessed them and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And when the miracle was done, the disciples gathered up 12 baskets of bread because of the fact that God will reward our service and labor of love. And so when they started out with just a lad's lunch, not enough to even feed one man, they fed 5,000 men plus women and children, plus there was left over for the disciples to gather up. They saw that, but they have no power. They had seen many healings of Jesus Christ, healing different individuals, but they have no power. It was Peter had spiritual insight enough to identify Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, but he has no power. Peter, James, and John had been on the Mount of Transfiguration, but they have no power. 
so many times we are experiencing the move of God and the blessing of God in our midst, but yet there's no power. And we, we desperately need the power of God in distressful situations, and we're in a moment in history and time of distress, and we need God's power. But this kind's not going to go forth but by prayer and fasting. So I see the distress in the situation. In verse 17 of our chapter, I see the desire of the Savior. Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Notice a couple of things here. First of all, the desire of the Savior is for them to have faith. Oh, faithless. He rebukes them for being faithless. Why? Because his desire is that they might have faith. To be faithless is to be unbelieving. God wants us to be, have a faith that is growing. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so he wants his desire is for them to have faith. He's not wanting them to come out of this experience and have their faith wounded. He's wanting them to come out of this experience and have their faith increased. And so he desires for us to have faith, believing. Uh, he, listen, he, he desires for them to be straight. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Uh, the word perverse means to be distorted or turn aside, to oppose. And so he's saying, wait a minute. You need to have faith to believe that all things are possible to him that believeth. And don't allow the perverseness of the world to rob you of building your faith. Believe God for greater things. Believe God can do the, the miraculous. Believe that God can enter in where man cannot tread and God can do something that, that can change the circumstances in which they're dealing with. So his desire was for them to have faith, for them to be straight. Uh, his desire was that for them to be with him. Notice this, how long shall I be with you? He wants them to be with him, but there's got to be a point where he is going to leave them and they're going to have to stand on their own. And so it's, he's, he says, well, wait a minute. How long am I going to be with you? How, in other words, how long is it going to take for your faith to grow and increase to the point where you're not twisted and turned around and undone by the world? Uh, how long is it going to take for me to be with you and you're, you're, and you're going to be able to stand on your own when you have to face someone who's demonically oppressed. So his desire is for them to be with him right now, but he's questioning how long is it going to take before you're going to be able to stand on your own. And then we see his desire for them was to be held by him. He says, how long shall I suffer you? The word suffer there means to hold on to. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. He's saying, hold on to the children. Don't drive them away. Don't push them away. Hold on to them. Bring them unto me. And so his desire was that they would be held by him. And uh, he is holding them up because 
He says, bring him hither to me because he's going to demonstrate to his disciples in a personal and practical way, this is how you cast out a demon out of an individual. And so a desire of the Savior. In verse 20 and 21, we see the description for success. Jesus said unto them in verse 20, because of your unbelief. And so they ask him a very, very direct question. Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said, simple. He said, because of your unbelief. So his, in order to be successful, it is to have faith to simply believe. If God so states it, don't try to discredit what God has stated. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26 but Jesus beheld them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so he wants them to go uh, to have faith to be able to believe what God has said is possible, is in fact possible. And uh, I've watched God do miraculous things over the years, uh, not only just to provide for Joanne and I, but to do things in the church and in this ministry. I've seen God touch people's lives and change them and whom we thought would never be saved or never grow in the Lord. Uh, we just have to have faith to believe that what God said will come to pass will in fact come to pass. Not only does he desire for them, he says, because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder. So not just faith to believe, but faith to act. He says, if you have faith to believe, then you'll say uh, to the mountain, be removed henceforth. And so faith to believe uh, that you can move and act within that realm. You know, we looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 12 for a discussion panel, but Hebrews chapter 11, I just read through it the other day, and as I was working on this message, I thought of Hebrews 11 uh, because it faith to act, you see it over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrew, here's an example, Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. His faith brought action. We say, well, I have faith. Well, don't say you have faith and don't do anything. Uh, you, you move your faith into action. Uh, notice in verse 5 of Hebrews 11, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found because... Uh, uh, was not found because God had translated him. Enoch had faith to be able to walk with God. And because he had faith to walk with God, he was not before the Lord took him. I thought of verse 7 of Hebrews 11. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. You know, you know, we often read the stories in the Bible. We read about Noah in the ark, and it's great to be able to teach it to our children and learn from it ourselves. But the reality is, think of what God was telling Noah to do. And, and, and to build a ship when there's no water. 
to build a ship that will hold all the animals that God desires to have on the ark. To hold a ship that would hold the uh, people that God would want to preserve life on this earth. And think of all that he did. He did not stop. He did not hesitate. But he moved. His faith brought him to action. Now, and then the other one is verse 8 about Abraham. By faith Abraham when he was called to go out of, uh, into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Uh, may I say this, when God calls you and God directs your life and God is working in your life, he's not going to give you all the details. Uh, he wants you to have faith just to act on what his impression is on your heart. And so here he is, he's dealing with his disciples. Why, why, didn't, we, why didn't we cast him out? Why couldn't we do anything? Well, it's because of your unbelief. You need to change, from faith, your, change your faith to the point of completely believing. Well, well, what do you mean faith to believe? Well, faith to believe is to have faith to act. Because if you believe that God can remove, you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. If you really believe that way, you can go over and say to that mountain, be removed, and it's going to be removed. And then faith just to simply pray and fast. That's why verse 21, he ends up, um, how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Here's some verses for you. You can jot these down. We won't look all these verses up. But Mark chapter 9 and verse 23 tells us that uh, through prayer and fasting, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark chapter 10 and verse 27 is another great verse. Luke chapter 18 and verse 27. It's Luke 18, 27. In John chapter 11 and verse 40, all speak and address the issue that all things are possible to him that believeth. They speak and identify the issue that this kind is not going to go out but by prayer and fasting. And so we need to respond in faith, believing that when we pray and we fast, we get on a spiritual plane with God that releases the power of God to do what we cannot do. Now, we can work. We can try to put things in order. We can do all the things that we humanly can do. But that we are in need of God doing a miracle in the world that we're living in. But it's going to take prayer and fasting. And uh, every time we've ever prayed and fasted, God's done something. We have our teen uh, well, harvest rally coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we need God to do a miracle in the heart of our teenagers. I mean a special miracle. Something that God can do in their heart that we cannot do. And so we need to pray and fast for that. Our couples retreat. We need God to do something in the Christian homes in America. It can start with us here in this place. But it's going to take prayer and fasting. We have the anniversary. We've been here for 40 years, and God has blessed the church. The church has been through its ups, its downs, its blessings, and its problems, all these different things. If we're going to be able to minister in 2020 and 2021, 
I'm going to tell you, it's going to take a move of God to be able to minister effectively in the environment in which we are trying to minister. And so God has to do something unique and beyond human control. You say how that's going to take place by prayer and fasting. You know, Jesus did not hesitate to respond to the request of the Father. Jesus did not hesitate to meet with this young boy. Jesus did not negotiate with his disciples about what went wrong. He just nailed it at the end. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this great principle of prayer and fasting. Uh, I, I pray for the next uh, 40 days, 60 days, whatever it is with both the anniversary and the election, uh, that God will set this time aside to be able to pursue you. And uh, Lord, that you might hear our prayers and you might move uh, in our midst and we might be able to see magnificent, miraculous things take place across this country. God, we know it's not our doing, but God, we're coming before you and we're begging for the power of God. And so I pray that you bless us tonight. Help us to reach out to others. Help us to show forth the praises of our God. Help us to communicate the love of Christ to others. And Lord, we'll give you praise. We'll give you the glory for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God